What if the Kenner line had never stopped? That was the question Daryl DePriest and the team at Hasbro asked themselves regularly as they produced the Vintage Collection line. The Vintage Collection premiered in 2010, offering hyper-articulated Star Wars action figures that came with realistic soft goods outfits and multiple relevant accessories. The attention to detail and the premium quality figures introduced to the line has made it a fan favorite over the past decade. But it was the packaging that harkened back to the exciting era of the original trilogy, the eight-year span of the late 1970s and early 1980s in which Kenner released 93 carded figures from the films, along with a myriad of vehicles and playsets. Hasbro chose the vintage collection to serve as a bridge between the Kenner-era action figures and the modern Star Wars lines of today. It ignited the vibrant, nostalgic pangs in those who grew up with the toys, and allowed that vintage line to continue, celebrating the characters from the original and prequel trilogies, as well as those on the fringes of the extended universe. Modern designed figures in vintage-style packaging. What more could a Star Wars collector ask for? And at the beginning of this year, after a two-and-a-half-year wait, collectors finally received their copies of Star Wars, the Vintage Collection Archive, 2010-2019. The book, spanning more than 350 pages, told the story of how Hasbro created a line that paid homage to the Kenner toys, one that became the definitive collection of modern-era figures. The Vintage Collection Archive was co-created by Rich Allot, D. Martin Myatt, and Daryl DePriest. It is filled with gorgeous pictures and fascinating facts about all of the Vintage Collection releases from the past decade, as well as a look at the saga and original trilogy collection lines that preceded it. If you're a Star Wars fan, the book is an essential resource. But you might be surprised to hear why. In addition to giving you a fuller idea of how the line was created, it also shared stories and information behind every release and design choice. But I was truly astounded by how much valuable information was packed into this beautiful book. If you're a Kenner fan and vintage collector, this book is for you. And if you're a Hasbro fan and collect the vintage collection figures, this book is for you. This is a look at the line that captures the essence of Star Wars action figures and the details collectors love. This is but a mere sampling of the gems found within the pages of the Vintage Collection Archives. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Force and become a Jedi like my father. 
force will be with you always. I can tell you the wait for this book was truly worth it. In the Vintage Collection Archive, Rich Allot, D. Martin Myatt, and Daryl DePriest crafted the definitive guide for the line, carefully curated and setting a new standard for what a Star Wars resource could be. The writing is superb, the commentary by the Hasbro team is insightful, and the images are truly striking. Together, they offer a rich landscape of a collection that has become the premier Star Wars three and three quarter inch figure line. I wanted to find a way to share the book with you and to highlight some of the fascinating facts and information I learned in my exploration of it. All of the details I'm presenting to you came from the work that the authors spent time unearthing and translating for collectors like you and me. I wanted to do an episode like this because I was in awe of the content they produced, and reading this book has been a joyous and enriching experience. If you do not own a copy, my hope is that upon hearing some of the facts and stories located within it might cause you to add the book to your Star Wars reference library in the very near future. For the episode, I wanted to focus on the figures released during what the collectors call the Vintage Collection 1.0, a three-year time period between 2010 and 2012. The line was canceled and was revived six years later, in 2018, due to popular fan demand. I'll also touch on the two vintage-themed lines that preceded the vintage collection, 2004's The Original Trilogy Collection and 2006's The Saga Collection. These early modern lines were responsible for the formation of the vintage collection, and the book contains some interesting nuggets behind the design choices for the figures and for the packaging. I cannot stress how amazing this book is for vintage Kenner collectors and for fans of Hasbro's modern vintage collection. To Rich, D. Martin, and Daryl, thank you so much for giving us another wonderful, tangible piece of the Star Wars universe. Quick reference. The Vintage Collection is a bridge to the original Kenner Star Wars line. And what better way to highlight that connection than with a throwback image on the reverse of the figure's card back? While the image on the front of the card showcased the character the figure is based on from an appearance in a film, series, or story, the image on the back referenced the figure's original Kenner release. The 12 figures of 2004's original trilogy collection were pulled from George Lucas's first three films, and the key connection was that each one had a Kenner counterpart from the 1970s or early 1980s. So the image on the back of Hasbro's Luke Skywalker figure was of the first Luke Skywalker Kenner figure, released in 1978 for the first Star Wars film, A New Hope. The Lando Calrissian card back shared the same image as the one created for the figure's 1980 release for The Empire Strikes Back. And although the R2-D2 figure did not originally premiere in the Return of the Jedi line, 
Hasbro released its updated card back design based on a Jedi card back from 1983. Regarding the design choice, packaging designer Chris Ford said the aim of including the throwback image was to not only highlight how close Hasbro came to replicating Kenner's original layout with each release, but to educate younger and newer fans who are not familiar with the figures from the Kenner line. On the back, the text next to each throwback carded figure image captured the excitement and purpose of the original trilogy collection figure line. The text read, Celebrate the legendary Star Wars trilogy that changed the universe forever with the original trilogy collection. This collection brings to life the incredible story of good versus evil that captured our imagination and took us back to a galaxy far, far away. The finest recreations of the iconic Star Wars heroes and villains are back with incredible detail and premium features to commemorate each epic tale in the original trilogy. A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. And, as a tribute to the dedication of Star Wars fans everywhere, we are re-releasing elements of the original packaging that harken back to the creation of Star Wars action figures, which began over 25 years ago with the original trilogy. May the Force be with you. The inclusion of the Kenner carded examples continued through the 2006 Vintage Saga collection, and returned for a large stretch of the Vintage Collection carded figures. For the characters from the prequels, Hasbro chose images of carded examples the company released between 1999 and 2005. And for previously unreleased figures, Hasbro simply added a photo pulled from a film sequence that showcased that character. This card-back style continued through VC-74's Gungan Warrior before undergoing a complete overhaul beginning with VC-75's Qui-Gon Jinn figure. The new packaging design advertises some of the figure releases around a particular wave. The contemporary cross-sell carried over into 2018's The Vintage Collection 2.0 and is still being used today. Saying our goodbyes to Vac Metalized. One of the keys to making the droids of the Kenner universe appear as they did in the film was through a process called vacuum metalization. Vac metalizing gave an action figure a chrome coating by applying a thin coat of aluminum in the form of metal vapors. To color the aluminum, a layer of paint was applied over the metal during the process of metalizing. The three most recognizable examples of this technique were found on the gold body of C-3PO, the silver frame of the Death Star droid, and in R2-D2's dome. In the early 2000s, Hasbro continued to create figures with vac-metalized parts, including the C-3PO and R2-D2 for the original trilogy collection. But in 2007, Hasbro deemed vac metalization both too costly and too environmentally unsound, and discontinued the practice. Troop Building When it comes to the world of Star Wars action figures... Troop building is a popular way of creating displays. 
Troop building, otherwise known as army building, involves arranging multiples of one generic figure, often in a substantial or imposing manner. From the Kenner line, this could be done with a legion of stormtroopers, led by Darth Vader. And with the modern Star Wars lines, Hasbro has introduced a number of figures for troop building. In the Vintage Collection, Hasbro kicked off troop building early in the line, with VC-05's AT-AT Commander. The figure was not based on the infamous General Veers, but could stand in for any AT-AT Commander from The Empire Strikes Back. And the figure's introduction to the line was timed to coincide with the release of the AT-AT vehicle. Hasbro also offered troop builders for Return of the Jedi, in the form of the Endor Rebel Commando. Two different versions of this VC-26 figure were created, with one based on sculpt supervisor David Venmeyer, and the other based on actor Steve Lockett, who portrayed a rebel commando in the film. For a later wave used to promote the upcoming 3D theatrical release of The Phantom Menace, Hasbro offered a troop builder figure for each side of the battle. VC-78's highly articulated battle droid helped flesh out Separatist-led dioramas, and VC-83's Naboo Royal Guard fought to protect Queen Amidala and the Republic. Altered Photos The Vintage Collection line often paid homage to the Kenner line by using and updating the original cardback images for figures released in the 1970s and 1980s. For the VC-62 Han Solo and Trenchcoat figure, Hasbro chose to keep the image as it appeared when it premiered 28 years earlier, in the 1984 Return of the Jedi toy line. According to the book, the image did not span the width of the Kenner card back initially, and the designers airbrushed the entire left side of the photo black. I doubt you'll ever look at it the same way again. And while Kenner employed a black fade for its wicked card back, where the forest background transitioned into an inky swirl, Hasbro designer Dave Reeves eliminated the fade and brought back the vibrant colors of nature around the little Ewok for VC-27. Kenner never created a figure based on the rebel pilot Dak Ralter, so Hasbro pulled an image from the Lucasfilm archives. However, the designers had to paint in the top of the frame in order to extend the image to fit into the VC-07 Dak cardback layout. And when updating the images for the vintage collection, some alterations return the original Lucasfilm images to their former glory. The photo used for the VC-23 Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight figure was based on the one Kenner employed for its Luke Jedi figure. But for the 1983 release, Kenner had removed the head and torso belonging to Ishi Tib, the creature standing behind Luke. And although this brought more of the focus to Luke's face, it was odd to see what appeared to be a lower torso and legs in the shot. Hasbro restored the original image to its unaltered state, making Ishi Tib not only complete, but visible as a character again. And for VC-24's Woof, the creature named Klaatu in the Kenner line, Hasbro removed the exaggerated airbrushing from the Klaatu cardback image for a more realistic and screen-accurate look. 
in removing the fuzzy hues reminiscent of the 1930s colorization techniques used for film, Wolf's image brought collectors back into the bowels of Jabba's palace. Creating an image. In the absence of a high-quality Lucasfilm-era film photo or artwork, some cardback images needed to be digitally composed for the vintage collection. For VC-12's Darth Sidious cardback, Dave Reeves used a reference photo of Ian McDermott in his Sith Lord outfit, holding a rod as a stand-in for a lightsaber. The rod was digitally lit, and Reeves added a Senate chamber background to complete the composition. Reeves also worked on the packaging art for the first R2-D2 figure released in the line. VC-25's R2 with drink-serving tray from Return of the Jedi's Jabba's Palace sequence provided a true dilemma for the Hasbro team. The lack of a usable film-out or packaging-quality image from a movie. He used the best R2 image available and digitally extended the background to recreate the shot. Industrial Light and Magic, Lucasfilm's effects team, also helped with the cardback art. Anticipating Hasbro's packaging needs, ILM created filmouts and reference images for main and background characters, saving Hasbro time and allowing its designers to select the one that best suited the layout of the figure line. For some of the prequel figures, Hasbro used a mix of character publicity stills and digital backgrounds from the films. This type of composition appears on VC-51's Barasafi, who appeared against a Geonosis background, and VC-58's Ayla Secura, who is superimposed over a shot from the planet Felucia. Introducing the VC-61 Boba Fett figure in white prototype armor, Hasbro pulled an early Lucasfilm test photo and digitally created a hallway-like background, bringing the image to life. Hasbro tapped the design firm Day6 Creative for the task of creating cardback illustrations for some of the expanded universe characters. Day6 made VC-59's Naminor appear menacing in his armor and hood. And for VC-69's Bastilla Shan, the team digitally painted over a photograph of a model chosen to represent the Jedi Master. To commemorate the release of the Star Wars Saga on Blu-ray in 2012, Hasbro introduced five figures who appeared in Return of the Jedi's original deleted scenes. However, the deleted footage was deemed too grainy to be used for the cardbacks. As a result, Day 6 produced realistic and vivid illustrations of Luke Skywalker constructing his lightsaber, Leia and Lando in their sandstorm outfits, Colonel Kraken is part of the Millennium Falcon crew, and a Mon Calamari rebel pilot navigating a space battle. New Editions Like many of the modern Hasbro lines, the Vintage Collection brought a number of figures previously unavailable from Kenner. 
This was especially important to the designers, as they viewed the vintage collection as an extension of the original Star Wars line. One of the earliest figures, VC-03's Han Solo in Echo Base outfit, was a completely new offering from Hasbro, one that definitely did not appear in the Kenner line. During an Empire Strikes Back rewatch, Eric Aranya, the figure's sculptor, came to the realization that an Echo Base Han figure hadn't been created up to that point. He based his design on screen grabs from the film, and used parts from previously produced Han figures, giving the figure a new head and coat. And without a Kenner card back for reference, Hasbro selected a shot of Han working on the Millennium Falcon, one that would have fit in with similar images that appeared on 1980's first 10 Empire Strikes Back figures. The conspicuous absence of a sand trooper from the original Kenner line propelled Daryl DePriest and the Star Wars team to include the figure on a vintage-style card back for the vintage collection. The figure was a repack of the 2009 Legacy Sand Trooper, but came with an all-new accessory— the T-21 light-repeating blaster rifle. The vintage collection also included new figures from the prequel universe as well. VC-33 was a take on a beloved character, Padme Amidala, in her peasant disguise. Padme's outfit included a soft goods robe and a very detailed and complex paint deco design on her dress, which would have been too expensive to produce on a standard figure. However, by reducing the points of articulation to the upper body, Hasbro was able to cut costs and to keep the quality design and accessories that made VC-33 such a standout figure from Attack of the Clones. Padme came with two different headdresses, which she used in the film. And since the figure hadn't been released previously and had no comparable throwback carded example, Hasbro used the image on the front to showcase Padme in one headdress and the image on the back to display the other. We've heard of figures being made as the result of a fan-mounted campaign, but VC-81 might be the first created as the result of a joke. Ben Quadraneros, VC-81's Phantom Menace torsoless pod racer was deemed as the worst designed character in the history of Star Wars by filmmaker Kyle Newman. What began as teasing Newman over his palpable hatred of the character on the Rebel Force Radio podcast grew into an unexpected and inadvertent campaign. Newman, a friend of Clone Wars showrunner Dave Filoni, urged fans to flood Filoni with questions at Star Wars panels regarding Quadraneros and if the character would be making an appearance in the latest season of the series. Continuing the joke, Newman urged Hasbro to release a Quadraneros figure. Hasbro ultimately packaged the figure with a pitroid, which to Newman's utter surprise hit stores in December 2011. Here's Filoni and Clone Wars designer Killian Plunkett joking about the possibility of Ben Quadraneros making an appearance on the show. Well, I'll put you on the spot right now. All right, go. Are, are you or are you not in favor of Ben Quadraneros being in the Uh-oh. show? Ben Quadraneros? Ben Quadraneros. No, I, I don't think there's a space for Ben Quadraneros in the show. There you have this. So anyone yeah, that... I don't think it should happen. Okay, so that's there just it is. Me. There it is. Yeah, but that's just me. Well, Personally, I don't What's see... What's your reason? 
Why? Uh -oh. I, I think it's it's just you want to leave the mystery where it is, okay. you know. The mystery. Yeah, mystery. Yeah. Really. You don't know, want the, the, the legend <laughs> of Ben Potter. The whole rest of Phantom Menace. That, was, look, that could be his mystery. one bad race. We don't know. Oh yeah, he's like. He could be. We don't know. Star. He could be. He could. <laughs> I mean, we could do a whole sort of Senna documentary style For thing. Senna, yeah. Just about Ben Potter. Yeah. Because that was the one sort of tragic race that he entered was the. That one where it didn't work out, but otherwise that one, that, yeah. that, one, that one didn't quite seem to go his way. Yeah, but <laughs> so, yeah. actually, really good idea. Interesting accessories. One of the highlights of the vintage collection is the line's attention to detail and that attention often shines in the accessories included with the figures. VC-27's Wicket was the first Ewok to come with two different cowls. The brown headpiece and wooden spear completed the character's look from Return of the Jedi. But why did Hasbro also include a green hooded cape and tan satchel? This version of Wicket was originally intended to be offered as a two-pack with Princess Nisa, a popular Ewok from the 1985 animated series. When the idea was abandoned due to cost, the designers decided to add the hooded cape and satchel as a nod to the animated Wicket's outfit from the second season. In 2010, Hasbro resurrected the rocket-firing Boba Fett figure for a VCP-03 a promotional exclusive for the Vintage Collection. The rocket-firing FET previously existed solely as a prototype due to Kenner cancelling the production of it in 1979 due to safety reasons. Hasbro's quality assurance standards required that projectiles had to be a minimum of 3 inches in length, so the figure came with a long, thin red missile that would stick out of both sides of the backpack when inserted. The bulbous head of the missile was similar to the one shown on the original Kenner promotional material for the cancelled figure. And while the backpack retained the iconic J-slot firing mechanism seen on the surviving prototype examples, it was for display only. The updated backpack contained a tab that, when pushed in, would fire the missile. The rocket-firing Boba Fett figure, heavily desirable among vintage and modern collectors, also came with a second rocket. It was smaller and more closely matched to what Kenner had intended for its initial rocket-firing release. It's also similar to the one Sonic welded into the jetpacks of the iconic Boba Fett figures released at retail. But this one is not meant for firing and completes the figure when the long missile is not being used. In Attack of the Clones, the assassin Zam Wessel was a changeling, and was able to transform herself from a green-skinned alien into a human female. VC-30's highly detailed figure came with both heads. Hasbro also included two veils, one that hooked onto the helmet to partially cover her face, and another that hooked onto the side of the helmet to reveal her face. VC-52's Rebel Fleet Trooper, based on the soldiers defending their ship against Darth Vader at the beginning of A New Hope, also came with a pretty inventive costume change. The figure had a removable helmet that could be swapped for a gray baseball cap. 
Add the included leg bandolier to the top of the figure's boot, and the figure served as a secondary troop builder for the medal ceremony at the end of the film. And VC-70's Panda Baba figure may have some of the most interesting accessories for a vintage collection figure, one that ties into George Lucas's reshoots for A New Hope. The figure, known to Kenner collectors as Walrus Man, came with an extra arm that split in two, recreating the moment Obi-Wan Kenobi slices it with his lightsaber. But in researching the scene, designer Brian Parrish noticed that the character had two different sets of hands. When Panda Baba antagonizes Luke at the cantina's bar, he had flippers, or paddle-shaped hands. And when Lucas added a shot of the creature's severed arm during the reshoots, the hand that attached to that arm was entirely different, and more like a hairy claw. So it's safe to say that the vintage collection Panda Baba is likely the most screen-accurate version of the unfortunate Cantina alien. The Stopgap Wave Pretend for a moment that you're one of the designers on the vintage collection. You've reached the end of the first year of the line and have learned that the company has completely exhausted its budget for the creation of new sculpts for all new figures. What would you do to keep the line going in the meantime? The answer came in the form of a stopgap wave, one that premiered figures based on previous sculpts and tooling, which was a cost-saving necessity. The Hasbro designers had developed a parking lot list. It consisted of characters that could be added through something as simple as a repaint or something a little more complex, like using parts from other figures, often from the preceding Legacy Collection. The characters in each vintage collection wave generally were connected through thematic storytelling from a particular film. For instance, if Hasbro released Anakin Skywalker in his peasant disguise from Attack of the Clones, then it seemed logical to include Padme in her disguise in that wave as well. And when Hasbro prepared a Revenge of the Sith wave, selecting Obi-Wan, Commander Cody, General Grievous, and his Magna Guards helped collectors to flesh out the Utapau battle scene for their displays. For this stopgap assortment released in January of 2011, the figures came from multiple films. VC-38's Clone Trooper from the 212th Battalion was a repainted version of the VC-15 Basic Clone Trooper. Orange highlights were added to the figure, which was welcomed by Vintage Collection troop builders. VC-39's Luke Skywalker Death Star Escape figure came with a newly sculpted head and belt, but the majority of the figure was based on one released two years earlier. The VC-40 R5-D4 from the same film was based on a Build-A-Droid version from the Legacy Collection and the Yavin Ceremony Han Solo VC-42 figure was a repack of the Legacy Han Solo figure with a 2004 belt. The only new element was the metal. The Empire Strikes Back Stormtrooper for the VC-41 release was also part of the stopgap wave. The upper half was from the 2007 Stormtrooper from the 30th Anniversary Collection 
while the lower section came from the VC-14 Sand Trooper figure. The final figure in the stopgap wave was VC-43's Commander Gree from Revenge of the Sith. Painting the camouflage deco on Gree's armor was costly, and producing the figure for the vintage collection was only made possible by reusing the tooling from the 2008 30th anniversary figure. Throughout the vintage collection's run, Hasbro continued to insert parking lot figures based on previously created ones, which helped to balance the costs associated with tooling all new figures. But the January 2011 stopgap wave allowed the company to continue the line and to fill store shelves with an all-new assortment of Star Wars toys. Fun TVC Facts Here are a few quick bites of information I learned from the book and thought you'd enjoy hearing. For VC-01's Dengar figure, if you look closely at the upper right corner of the photo, you'll notice something called a bounce board. A bounce board is used to direct light onto an actor or an area in a film shot. And for Dengar's image, the Hasbro designers decided to keep the bounce board in the frame, since it appeared on the Kenner cardback in the 1980 release. The VC-45 Clone Trooper is one of the most reused figures in the line, since it can be painted to be part of the various battalions from the Clone Wars. VC-47's General Lando Calrissian was the first figure released from the 1985 Power of the Force line for the Vintage Collection. VC-51's Barasafi was the first female Jedi for the line. VC-53's Cantina patron, Bomb Vimden, was a leftover candidate from the Hasbro's Fan Choice figure poll, which was first announced in the spring of 2000. The figure failed to garner enough votes to win any of the next five polls. By the time the vintage collection was released in 2010, Bomb Vimden was one of four unproduced figures from the original polls and finally appeared on a Star Wars card back in June of 2011. VC-59's Nam Anor, a character from the Expanded Universe, was the first figure to be adorned with a sticker on the bubble that read, Character Debut, Never Before Offered as a Figure. And VC-69's Bastilla Shan, also from the Expanded Universe, was the first Fan's Choice winner for the Vintage Collection line. Sneaking into the sequence. Two of the most desirable and expensive carded figures in the vintage collection are VC-66's Salacious Crumb and VC-67's Mouse Droid. Both are small figures that were released on undersized vintage collection card backs, but they were never available at retail. Instead, they were part of a 12-carded figure exclusive, the San Diego Comic-Con Revenge of the Jedi set. The box containing the figures was shaped like the Death Star and was only available at Comic-Con in 2011. Knowing the demand would be high for these figures, Hasbro announced that they would be available at retail eventually as well, without the Death Star packaging and without Salacious Crumb and the Mouse Droid, the two exclusive carded figures. 
The design team was supposed to mark the figures that came in the Death Star container as VCP releases, with the P standing for promotional. A sticker on the card backs even states, not for individual sale. But during production, the P was never added to the VC designation, and thus, Salacious Crumb and the Mouse Droid became an official part of the Vintage Collection sequence at VC-66 and VC-67. A high-grade carded Salacious Crumb recently sold for $1,800 on eBay, and a Comic-Con Death Star set sold for $2,800 ungraded. For Vintage Collection Completus, the two exclusive figures are must-haves, even at those prices. The Delayed Phantom Foursome If VC-70's Panda Baba was released in October of 2011, and VC-75's Qui-Gon Jinn hit retail shelves two months later, why were the four sequential figures in between them released a year later? In this case, Walmart was to blame. Hasbro had designed a number of figures to coincide with Lucasfilm's premiere of The Phantom Menace in 3D. But Walmart wanted to use the figures for its Discover the Force line. So the big box retailer requested exclusive rights to the figures for a year, holding off their release on the Vintage Collection cardbacks until October of 2012. The four figures were VC-71's Podracer Mohanic, VC-72's Naboo Pilot, VC-73's Bounty Hunter Aura Singh, and VC-74's Gungan Warrior. The Final Online 8 the final carded figures in the Vintage Collection 1.0 line were released in December of 2012. Interest in action figure collecting waned, and it was becoming increasingly cost-inefficient for Hasbro to produce these premium figures to sell to a shrinking fan base. And although the line ran for a total of 115 sequentially carded figures before it was put on hiatus in 2013, eight of the final figures were made available through online retail channels. The wave consisted of two realistic interpretations of the animated Clone Wars figures, VC-102's Ahsoka and VC-103's Obi-Wan Kenobi. It also included the following five Return of the Jedi figures, VC-104's Ewok Lumat, the VC-105 Emperor's Royal Guard, VC-106's Nine Num. VC-107's Weequay, and VC-114's Pruneface. The eighth and final figure in the online wave was the Republic Trooper from the Expanded Universe and was one of the most expensive figures to produce in the line. I wanted to read you some of the information from the VC-102 Ahsoka page. As an Ahsoka fan, I found it to be an extremely compelling read but I wanted to give you a fuller idea of the type of writing and storytelling found in the Vintage Collection Archive Edition. Here's a bit of the entry. 
George Lucas often remarked that the Clone Wars told the story of Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, Ahsoka. Because of her popularity and prominence, when Hasbro reimagined Ahsoka outside of animation for the vintage collection, the figure received more scrutiny than any other. Lucas took a personal interest in the execution of the Ahsoka figure and had input into the sculpting and card artwork. Dave Filoni was also deeply involved, sending pictures of textures he envisioned for Ahsoka's outfit. With so many decision-makers involved in the process, it was imperative for Hasbro to get the character's likeness right. At one point, Hasbro re-sculpted Ahsoka's head midway through development. When voice actor Ashley Eckstein began cosplaying as Ahsoka, there was talk of altering the portrait a third time. However, pulling the figure to accommodate the request would have been disastrous, so Hasbro proceeded with the second re-sculpted head. So that was a look at some of the fascinating facts and information found in the Vintage Collection Archive Edition. And really, that was just a skim of the surface. The second half of the book highlights the continuation of the line since 2018, along with the vehicles, playsets, multi-packs, exclusives, promotional items, and prototypes produced for the entire Vintage Collection. Whether you're a Vintage Kenner collector or a Hasbro Vintage Collection collector, or even simply a Star Wars fan, I hope some of the information I shared with you from the book piqued your interest. And I hope you pick up the Vintage Collection Archive Edition, written by Rich Allot, D. Martin Myatt, and Daryl DePriest, and published by Blue Milk. Thank you for listening to another episode of Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Prices for the Vintage Collection figures soared last year, and have stayed pretty steady since. The line will always appeal to fans of the Kenner Star Wars toys, and the design and quality of the releases have continued to bring new collectors into the hobby. I think the book will help to keep collectors connected to the Vintage Collection for years to come. You can order the book through Blue Milk at bluemilk.shop. I've wanted to create an episode like this from the day the book landed on my doorstep this winter. But the usual bustle of life kept me busy, and the Vintage Collection book episode kept getting knocked to the back of the queue. After all, I wanted to thoroughly digest the contents of the book and figure out the best way to share it with you. And as I said earlier, that was the entire point of this episode to highlight some of the things I learned both about the Vintage Collection line and about the Kenner line many of us love and owned as children. Many Vintage Collectors have very little interest in modern Star Wars figures. For them, the last Star Wars figures rolled off the line in 1985. They don't want to hear about anything beyond the original trilogy, and that's okay. But between you and me, they're really missing out. 
The vintage collection has done a wonderful job of bridging that gap between vintage and modern. And the more I read the book, the more I realize how rewarding it will be to Star Wars collectors of any line and any era for years to come. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. It's free and you'll be the first one to know when a new episode premieres. And I have some really good ones planned for the next few months about a number of different Star Wars themed topics and events. The most important thing you could do to help me grow the podcast is to leave a review on your preferred podcast platform and to tell a friend about it. The goal has been to create something that is positive and exciting and connects people to the hobby they love. And if you know someone who might appreciate these episodes, I'd love for you to share them with that friend. See you next time on Star Wars, Prototypes and Production.